that that company has said, these are the badges we want a student to have. So that creates this job description that has never existed before, unlike a traditional university. Hello everybody and welcome back to Mentors. Today we have on Ron Brumbarger, the founder of Apprentice University. Apprentice University is this great college alternative where you learn so many things you wouldn't have in the first place. It uses things like apprenticeships and badges in order to grow their students. I think some of my younger audience would really pay some nice attention to what's going on and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hello everybody and welcome to Mentors. Today I have Ron Brumbarger. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. So you are the founder of Apprentice University, which is what I want to talk about first. Okay. Like, what was the what was the problem you were trying to solve by creating Apprentice University, and what is everything that it does? Well, first, my other firm, Bitwise Solutions, it's a twenty six year old technology company, and for many many years we've struggled finding talent that we can deploy and and uh, put to work right away. And year after year, regional universities would come ask us, what do you need in a graduate? What do you need in your employees? And we'd answer the same questions over and over again. And yet, year after year, we get the same results. Graduates that just weren't ready. And I got tired of that response. I got tired of not having enough talent. So I decided to grow my own. So we can get into the ingredients of Apprentice University no, I would at love the right to. time so we can talk about what that looks like. Yeah, so what are the ingredients? Because I don't know if you can come in as a blank slate or you have to have certain qualities already about you. Like, yeah. I'm already a leader. I already want to be an engineer. I don't know if you could have a kid that's like, oh, I've done this academics all my life, but I don't, I'm unprepared. Can I still come into this and survive? Right. So the first thing that I tell prospective students, young men and women, is that you better bring a big, big backpack full of motivation because we don't bring it for you. We don't serve it. We don't make it. Uh, we can help you and encourage you with it, but if you don't have a big dose of motivation, there's not a lot we can do. It's really hard for us to get behind somebody that's just kind of coasting along, right? Um, but because we're an experience or mastery-based college, uh, or you might hear the word competency college, because we're about mastery of skills, uh, bringing those skills to Apprentice University as a new applicant jumpstarts your career with us. Uh, for example, we have students in our program that have lots of programming experience or web design experience. We're immediately able to place them into paid apprenticeships day one. And we can see that they have already practical, what's called prior learning experience that we can capitalize upon. Compared to or juxtaposed against someone that has little experience coming to us, and we have to kind of get them with some momentum, right? Get them yeah. up to speed. And there's a great metaphor that I like that's a rock climbing wall. If you've ever been rock climbing? Once rock or climbing twice. Wall, yeah. Well, imagine it's our job to get you on that wall, and so graduation for you as a student, a graduate of Apprentice University, means you've scaled the entire wall, right? Mm -hmm. So the further up you start on that wall when you first join us, the shorter the cycles or the shorter the time to get you to the top. If you find somebody who is not 
they're adverse to climbing <laughs> or scared to climb and they have no experience on that rock climbing wall and they're standing flat footed looking up, we could put all the harnesses on them, we can get them ready, we can give them the right shoes, the right gloves, the chalk, you know, encouragement and everything else. But if they're not motivated to climb that wall, it's gonna, it's gonna be a problem for us. So the further up a student comes to us on that rock climbing wall, the better off they are with us. Yeah, it's like bringing a horse to water. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But so, we capitalize on those prior learning experiences of students. So uh, is there any way that someone can jump on Apprentice University before they go to, like, before they graduate? Like, if I'm a high school, like I'm a high school junior, is there any way I could start now and go with you into the future? Absolutely. Now, school might get in the way of yeah. learning. Huh. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, we have a dual enrollment program, so it's not dual credit. We don't trade in credits like a traditional university does because we're about competency and mastery. Uh, but we have a dual enrollment program where you can be in our classes and you can be part of our community. You can be working in some of our student-ran businesses, having an income, earning money, uh, and getting those early apprenticeship experiences underway. And we do that for juniors and seniors, motivated juniors and seniors in high school. Uh, we call it our Jumpstart program. Lots of colleges have terms called Jumpstart for dual enrollment. Yeah. Uh, but for us, it's a, it's a full-fledged, you're in the deep end, you're part of the community, uh, you're working through our projects, you're working in our student-ran businesses, and you're earning badges, which we should talk about. You're earning badges as you're working through our program. Yeah, tell me about the badges. Well. Have you ever experienced uh, like Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts or oh, anything yeah. like that? Oh, yeah. So I was a Boy Scout, right? <laughs> and in the Boy Scout handbook, there's a process that you go through to start a fire. And you follow that process step by step. You do exactly as the process says. And when you start a fire, your cub master or den master, whatever they're called, yeah. says, good job, well done, here's your badge. Right, so you prove you, your work product shows uh, that you've uh, completed that task and you earn that badge. We do the same thing, so we have hundreds of badges in our program, hundreds. And for our graduates, there's a certificate that's required. It's called our foundation certificate, and in the foundation certificate, there's about three dozen badges. One of them, for example, is a badge on etiquette on dieting and, and meeting and business protocol etiquette. How do you conduct yourself in a business setting, at a dinner setting? We have badges in Microsoft Excel and Word. We have badges in programming, an introductory level programming. Awesome. Badges in accounting, basic accounting, uh, economics, entrepreneurship. These are all required badges to graduate and they're part of that foundation certificate. Behind each badge, is a rubric. Familiar with what a rubric is? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then rubrics have half a dozen to maybe two dozen criteria that a student must meet in order to be issued that badge. And once you accomplished each of the steps in that rubric, then we can issue that badge. Yeah, it seems just like, like fire. Got, yeah, it seems like you got like a huge variety of skills. Huge, uh, so, huge variety. So what is some of the main skills that anyone going into Apprentice University can walk out with? Well, so we 
produce graduates with certificates, not degrees. Mm -hmm. The foundation certificate is required to graduate, as I mentioned. And then we have other certificate certificates, sorry. You're fine. You're like fine. digital storytelling, cybersecurity, programming, uh, digital marketing, web design, um, project management, professional sales. These are all preparing students for what I call the, the Gretzky careers. Have you heard the Wayne Gretzky quote? No, no. Wayne Gretzky was a, a, a hockey player, Canadian hockey player. And his quote was, I don't skate to where the puck is, I skate to where the puck will be. Mm -hmm. Pretty logical <laughs> if you're a hockey player, right? Yeah. Well, for us, we're not preparing our students for today's careers. We're preparing our students to have a discerning mind, to, to be in a thoughtful learning, what I call learning disposition. I talk about this in my book. To be in that learning disposition so that they're ready and prepared for the careers of tomorrow. We don't know what those titles are today. But we know, anecdotally, in, in, in all the projections are, that half of the job titles that will exist in 2025 do not yet exist today. Half. Well, then how do you, how do you cover things like that? Because if you, because you know, you can only build up what you have, right? Sure. We can't sure. really think that far into the future and go, oh, all these crazy things are coming our way. But we know a little bit. We how know do you a little build, bit. Yeah. So how do you build things that are futuristic and that haven't happened? That is yet? a great question. Thank you. Uh, first, we have badges, for example, in digital storytelling certificate around holograms. How to use holograms? How to use oh. augmented reality and virtual reality? So these are burgeoning technologies. Uh, some places they're well deployed, well established, but for the most part they're still burgeoning technologies, right? Uh, and we don't teach them in a traditional classroom environment. You got to go figure it out and have workshops and and projects using these types of tech. And these are just three examples. Yeah. So if you want to graduate from Apprentice University with a digital storytelling certificate you will have a project that demonstrates your working knowledge of holograms, virtual reality, and augmented reality. That's so that's, that's one way to do it, right? So mm -hmm. all of our certificates are designed by industry professionals, people that are living in the industry and they're projecting five, ten years down the road what tasks, what, what skills rather will a student or a graduate need to have to compete and thrive. The other way we do this and this is where we tie in our apprenticeships and our badging, and this is really critical to understand. Mm -hmm. The other way we do it is our partners, are where our apprentices do their work, where they learn on the job. Our partners have access to our badging portal, and they can go in and say, I'm creating a new job description, <clears throat> the hologram unit, and I'm making up yeah. a job title, You're right? Fine, yeah. <laughs> and for this particular job description, the successful student will possess the following badges. Boom, 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 boom. Those badges might include writing, professional presentation skills, might include basic programming skills, certainly would include holograms, uh, might include some other technology uh, skills that, that that company has said, these are the badges we want a student to have. So that creates this job description that has never existed before. Unlike a traditional university that says, we're preparing you for marketing. 
and you might get a class or something in kind of forward-looking technologies very different than having an employer who's creating jobs and hiring people saying these are the exact skills I want a graduate to have and so now they create a designer employee and then they can say which students from apprentice university possess these skills based on their badges that they've earned yeah, you're almost putting them right into the workforce after that, which Absolutely. is perfect. But can someone also deviate from that a little bit? Absolutely. So can, like, they can go, you know, I like these requirements, but I want to make sure I get these instead. Absolutely. I want to be a digital the only, storyteller. The only, the only required certificate at Apprentice University is foundations. And that's kind of the life skills that every young adult ought to have anyway. Uh, but you might say, for example... There's this collection of badges over here in professional sales that I really like. And it's about presentations and gaining empathy and understanding. And then there's this collection over here in marketing that I like. And there's these two badges in cybersecurity that I think are just kind of cool. And you can craft your own plan based on your skills and your interests and your career passion. Juxtaposed to, I'm going to get a programming degree. So you craft exactly where you want those skills to be. And then on the job, in your apprenticeships, your mentors can see, hey, but these are the badges you're pursuing. I see exactly what your, your interests are, and I get to know you. Let me help craft some work that we're doing here that helps you fulfill the requirements for those badges. So now you're doing it on the job. Yeah, because like when you, you have so much more to show for it, especially with the badges. I feel like in a typical college, you go, you go through this program, you get your degree, and that's it. You're kind of that factory makeshift. Everyone else says this too. Yes. But you're so much more custom to a company <laughs> or to yourself. My question is, is like, when you have people that want jobs that really do require a degree, like they want to go to apprentice university, but they want to be a teacher, or they want to be an engineer, or they want to be a doctor, something that has to have that. Is there any way that you can still master engineering and get a job? Or do you have to really go through a traditional college to do that? Well, for licensed careers, we don't, we don't provide that, right? However, I would suggest if you know, and I'm just going to pick on 18-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the father of two boys. My boys are 20 and 22. So if you know an 18-year-old that, that, that is um, emphatic about what they want their career to be, they're either extraordinarily enlightened in some way or they're lying to you, okay? Because <laughs> <clears throat> it's not true. How can you know at 18 you haven't experienced other careers? You don't know, right? You might have some ideas of interest, and you should go explore those by all means. But for someone at 18 to say, I'm going to be a physical therapist, period, that's the only career I'll ever be interested in, that's just not truthful, and, but what are you missing? What, what other opportunities are out there that you don't know about because you haven't explored? So we, we use this really powerful word at Apprentice University. And we love this word. It's called and. Mm. It's really important to understand that you can do, you can be enrolled at Apprentice University and be pursuing a degree in education if you wish. No one says you have to jam an education degree in four years. What if you get into it year one and realize, you know, I really like supporting the teaching staff at a school versus being a teacher. 
What if that's really your, your call and your passion is to support the teaching staff, not necessarily be a licensed teacher, and you spent four years in school and all that money and all that time and all those lost earnings only to realize, I really want to be on the support team. I really like supporting teachers and making them effective versus being a teacher. You know, we think about the careers in education, well, I gotta go get an education degree. We don't imagine all the other careers that might be around that, that support it. Yeah, because I've never heard of an educational support. I've never heard of a teacher support. Imagine that. How would you know, right? You don't, it sounds like a very custom thing that can be created. <clears throat> it is. We, we have a program called Orienteering. And Orienteering is our career and guidance program. Orienteering is a Swedish sport. You're dropped in the woods with a map and a compass, and it's a race to the finish line, and the best time wins, right? Uh, a lot like finding your way as an 18 or 20-year-old in your career, right? Where am I going next? I, have a, I might have a map, but my compass is like Jack Sparrow's, right? <laughs> Never points north. Now, what do you do next? So in our orienteering, we talk a lot about these ideas that as a student, as a high school student in particular, you hear about education and you see on the horizon the tall peak that says, be a teacher. But what you don't see until you get really close to it, until you're just a mile away, is that there's all these supporting roles that make a teacher effective. Curriculum designer, support roles for students, um, counseling students and guidance students, running an innovation lab, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't see that until you get right up on it, but, but our society says you have to go get a degree to be a teacher in order to do all these other things. That's not true. Yeah. That's just not true. But we don't teach that. We don't talk about that as a career. But, it, but at AU, that's exactly how we, how we guide and, and advise our students to explore careers. So if you want to be a teacher, or an engineer, or anything that's licensed like that, we tell you first, come get some practical experience under your belt. Come spend a couple years with us. You, you, you earn back your tuition for the most part. We have paid apprenticeships. Really? That's awesome. So your tuition, you don't have debt at the end of an apprenticeship with us, uh, generally speaking. Sometimes the apprenticeships aren't always paid, but most of the time they are. Uh, but come get some practical experience in Taste some different dishes of the buffet of life before you lock down and settle on one particular career. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, when you settle yourself down to one thing, when you buckle your seatbelt and you get close to that mountain, I feel like it, most of the time you see what you want. Like, I want to be a teacher. But then you start hiking this road of, I don't like this at all. Or they don't even see the middle of the mountain. They just right. know they have to get from A to B. And that's a long, tedious process that you might not want to go through. Four years and $25,000 a year and no yeah. earnings. Yeah, Yeah. actually, how long does Apprentice University last? Well, great question, thank you. On average, we would say two years, but because it's competency-based, because if you come to us already at six feet off that rock climbing wall, then we don't have to get you to the first six feet. That's the hardest six feet there is. We have to get mm -hmm. you to overcome the fear of climbing, we have to get you all buckled up. We have to get the safety straps on, all the training. That's the hardest six feet, right? Mm -hmm. But if you come to us already at six feet up with motivation, a year and a half maybe, a year, um, because it's not time-based, 
you're accustomed to an educational model because this is the way we do it in the states mm -hmm. that's based on credits okay high school credits college credits and credits are time it's time a little history lesson for you um, Andrew Carnegie does that name mean anything to you Carnegie Hall Carnegie Hall Carnegie libraries everywhere it was very wealthy Railroad steel tycoon 125 years ago, nice. maybe a little more. Many libraries around our country, uh, he his foundation paid for. He was adamant that his executive team remained in a learning disposition. That's the term I use, as I mentioned in my book, learning disposition. And he wanted them to stay in school, whatever that meant, to keep learning, keep exploring, mm -hmm. keep gaining new knowledge. But they were worried that they didn't have a way to measure the expectations of that staff in learning. Are they expecting 30 hours a week of them when they're already working 40 or 50 or 60? Or are they expecting three hours a week from them? They, there was no way to measure this. So they came up with a formula that became known as a Carnegie unit. You ever heard of the Carnegie unit? Mm -mm. Well, they still use it in Illinois, and it is, ex it is exclusively a measure of time. How much time was Andrew Carnegie expecting his staff to stay learning just time that seems so difficult though because you don't know if someone's just staring at a book or not yeah so they use basics right they said well, if you're in a class three hours a week in a classroom and that classroom expects another two hours a week of homework and papers and so forth then then that's a three carnegie unit class well carnegie units didn't really stick around as a name very long they became known as credits, and it's only ever meant to measure time. If you think about it a minute, you can transfer credits from school to school, right? Uh, more, more common in college than in high school, but you transfer credits. Uh, you're how many credits short to completion, oh, yeah. so it's just time. It's not a measure of learning. Credits are only a measure of time. Well, learning, the learning is a choice. It's not a credit, right? It's not a credit. Hopefully, grades, if done properly, are the metric or the measure of how much and how well something was learned. Not memorized, learned. So, how do you derive learning from memorized, especially in Apprentice, apprentice University? Oh, boy. That is, yeah. that is a, a sweet spot for us, as you might imagine. In our classes students all across the world when they hear your podcast are going to freak out. In our classes, we don't have tests. That's we think tests are a waste of time. They are. Of course they, they are. are. Of course they are. Let me ask you this question. What's the difference between a houseplant and an unmotivated student in a class? Okay. Well, first things first, houseplant is very constrained. It's just in a pot. Right? So the roots don't go deep, they don't grow. Um, house plants have to stay in one place. House plants may get water once every two weeks. So, so you compared could, to an unmotivated student. So compared to an unmotivated student, you're not learning in depth, you're not growing in depth, right? You're not expanding. Um, you're only in one spot, you're in one position as a student, so you're just going through the high school motions. Um, and you're only getting watered maybe twice a week, so I would compare that to you're only getting real knowledge, which is something you probably want to do or like in the spans of your own time, which so, is hard to wait. So the difference between an unmotivated student in a tra traditional classroom 
and a houseplant is pretty slim, right? The differences are pretty slim, right? Mm -hmm. So therefore, a houseplant could graduate from high school in many schools, sadly. Am I right? <laughs> you just, oh, you you're just setting my, it down. You see the logic, right? Yeah. Just, a student that's just simply going through the motions, sitting in class, passing the test, memorizing enough material to get a C minus, a houseplant, if it could speak, would do that. Yeah, it just has to photosynthesize. <laughs> exactly. So for us, we don't think about tests. We think tests are, there, do you know any adult that takes tests? Tests are a school thing, right? Mm -hmm. Grades are a school thing. It's not the real world. But because Apprentice University is real world, our students come to class. We use a Socratic method for discussions. Our students come to class having prepared and read the materials and, and watched the videos. Maybe there's a paper or two they need to do. But they come to class ready to discuss the content, not to listen to a lecture and memorize material for the test on Friday. We don't memorize things anymore. That's not how it works, right? And memorizing for a test is not learning. No. When I was in school, which was yesterday, by the way, it seems like yesterday, <laughs> I remember walking to my class at, at, uh, at Ball State for my 8 a.m. class, right, for personal finance. And I remember sitting down, it was a brutal cold day like we've had around here the last few weeks, and I had all my notes for the test. And I'm, and I'm walking into class and I'm memorizing the notes and I sit down and I can't wait. The professor walks in and says, okay, put your papers away, put your notes away. And I'm like, hurry, give me my test so I don't forget anything. Oh, yeah. Right? Isn't that what you do now? That's Sadly, that's what a lot of the AP kids do. Hurry, so, give me my test so I don't forget what I just put in short-term memory. Oh, yeah, and immediately you lose it. So you're never gaining any skill. You're never gaining any knowledge you just have to get through it you just got to memorize it right yeah so we don't even have education a lot of the a lot of the people walk through and walk out knowing nothing because it's all short term houseplant <laughs> <laughs> so we don't do that ours is all about discussions right which then creatively enough lead to an assessment by the instructor or if the student has a paper or a capstone presentation or project which is largely what we do those tie back to badges, which show that a student demonstrated these skills. So they're not taking a test and saying, I passed my marketing class. We want to show, how did you plan your marketing campaign? What was your budget? Who are your personas you're going to go after? What's your expected results? What's your return on investment? You have to do that work that ties back to badges. So the classes for us prepare the student to earn the badges. The classes themselves are not a means to an end. They're not the end themselves, rather. They're, they're a conduit to instruct the student to prepare them to produce work product and examples, or artifacts as we call them, that enable them to earn badges. That's also, just in case, because uh, you know, it's the ACPAP classes, you also do a lot of discussions, right? The teachers sure. go, we want you to understand what you're knowing, and that's true. But what I find more than not is that a lot of these kids, they go, okay, if I say the right things, I'm good. And if I just talk, I'm good. So you'll get a lot of students talking and not listening. And then, like, check marking their boxes and yep. put it in pen and go, okay, you heard what you needed to hear? I'm good. Mm -hmm. Does that ever happen? Or is there a way that you can kind of, like, throw the game off a little bit? Well, the student's work product, because remember, we're about show me the work. Show me that you built the fire. 
right? Mm-hmm. If you just walk into your den leader and say, I built my fire, mm, no. no. I need to see <laughs> flames, right? I need to smell the smoke, see the flames, or you're not getting your badge. Well, the same thing for us. If you go through the motions in the class and you're not producing the work product that shows that you understand the, con- the, the content, thus demonstrating competency in that, there's no badge. So you can sit through the class as many times as you want. And unless you get the content and demonstrate you can understand it and apply it, do it again. Do it again. But if you do, right, then you're one more step up that rock climbing wall to launching your career. Our first graduate was in March of last year. Oh, wonderful. He had seven job offers before he graduated. That's a wall. That's awesome. They were pretty salty. (laughs) <laughs> they were pretty salty offers, yeah. yeah. That's, so, that's so awesome. So, like, there's only one apprentice university. Yes, ma'am. Right? Yes, ma'am. And if I, if there's a lot of kids around the world that are going to struggle with the same problem, what do you think are some of the best ways to develop these skills, to get these badges, without having to maybe travel across the country to get here? Is there any way you can, on your own time, cultivate yourself and go out to the job force? Sure. There's uh, several ways to do that. Uh, if you look up words like power skills, right, you'll see being a power user of Microsoft Office and Google Docs and all those kinds of tools, you know, Prezi, etc. These are all critical skills that we need young professionals walking into the job to understand how to do, to understand things like design thinking. What's probably design it. thinking? Uh, so design thinking enables me to, to have an, a hypothesis that says, if I do this, this will be the outcome. And I try it. And, it, and the outcome might fail. It's, we love failure, by the way. We think <laughs> failure is good. Yes, the Failure Institute. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the, the outcome might fail, but I learn from that failure where the outcome might succeed. If it does succeed, that's one small step. right? And then I look at it and say, well, how do I improve that? How do I make it bigger, better, faster, cheaper? You know, how do I improve upon this? And you keep iterating through that process to reach an end that you may not have imagined in the beginning. You may not have imagined that end in the beginning, but you started down a trail of a hypothesis that says, this is kind of the problem I'm trying to solve. And again, as you get closer to it, you realize that's not the problem I need to solve. It's this one over here that iteratively I get to accomplish. So thinking and learning about design thinking, thinking and learning about etiquette, oh my gosh, you young lady, you shook hands, you smiled, you made eye contact. Such is rare from your peers for whatever reason. I have been in many a hallway of many universities and many high schools and walk right past people and there's no eye contact. It's, I don't get that. Gen- Generation Z, that's, that's another one of my questions. Problems with hiring or potential problems with hiring us because we are starting to get to the workforce, right? I'm 16 and part of Gen So do what problems, like, you know, especially etiquette is one. Uh, what do you see problems coming up and how do we fix those? Or what's the best way we can try to fix them? Well, first and foremost, uh, I wrote a book about this. Right? Yes, that's what, I, that's what I connected it to. Okay, so I wrote a book about this, but first and foremost, communicate. Mm-hmm. Communicate. And it's not all by text. I wrote about horror stories in my book, and they're all true, by the way. 
about people that just did stupid things and blew jobs, just blew job opportunities. Blue jobs? Because of B-L-E-W, not B-L-U-E, sorry. Um, oh. Lost job opportunities because of text messages. Uh, foolish, foolish things. Uh, communicate. If you, if you respond and communicate to your email on a, several times a day, you are immediately head and shoulders over your peers. Mm. Just that. Just responding to your email will put you light years ahead of your competitors. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I wrote a story in my book about, uh, I won't say her name, uh, but in the book her name is Allie. Mm -hmm. And she's a young lady that wanted to work here. And one day I received two reference letters out of the blue. said, you should interview Allie. You will not be disappointed. She's an impressive young lady. She's go getter, motivated, all the things that as an employer you want to hear. Well, who's this? I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Later that day, I receive a cover letter and a resume from Allie that says, Dear Mr. Brumbarger, you spoke at my high school, and I enjoyed learning more about Bitwise Solution, learning about Bitwise Solutions. Uh, you don't have, listen to this. You don't have this job title listed on your website, but I imagine you need this position filled. I am the person to do that. She was 17. Okay, I am the person to do that. You should have received by now reference letters from some people that I know quite well that are professionals mm-hmm. and that have written on my behalf. When might I schedule an interview with you? Okay. <laughs> imagine... I'm how taken aback I am, first of all, that someone would be that assertive in a, in a polite way, yeah. right? So when she shows up for the interview, uh, my assistant greeted her. My assistant walks into my office and said, uh, your interview's here. And she had a big smile. I said, what's the, my assistant had a big smile. What's the grin all about? She said, you're not ready for this. You're not ready for this interview. So she walks in, and, and I've interviewed hundreds of high school students. We had a program here at Bitwise called Bitwise Fellows. We employed 80-some high school students over 10 years. And they had real jobs, building websites for small companies. And they made a lot of money. And many had full-ride scholarships at different schools. So I've encountered and worked with high school students for a long time. So this young lady walks in dressed to the T. Suit, women's suit, right? Yeah, yeah. What do I know about that? Uh, Suit, hair, makeup, made up, and says, did you receive my resume? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, I did. I'm kind of like, what is this? (laughs) And uh, we hired her on the spot. Without an interview? No, we went through the interview. Oh, I was like, wait. But the interview lasted about 30 minutes, and we hired her on the spot. That was it. Because she communicated, she was professional, she was poised, and she was ready to go. You're... I don't remember her in the class. I speak to a lot of high school students, a lot of classes. Oftentimes I will. And that was part of the stories of my book is that you're always being interviewed. And I have stories of sitting in a classroom and noticing a a student or two that's paying extraordinary level of attention to the conversation. And I remember who they are. Well, yeah, because you're looking out for them because if they're interested in what you're saying and what you're saying is important. I want to talk to them. Yeah. I want to talk to them. Absolutely. I want to know, are you motivated? Do you bring do you bring some energy to the table here that I can put to work? If so, let's go. The opposite is a houseplant. 
that's sitting in the back, can care less who I am, just wants the class to be over, and I can't put that person to work. But they're being interviewed either way. Mm. So to your question about how do you gain those, those skills to get started, uh, I'd look up power skills. I'd master using the, the basic technology of business today. Uh, I would go through some etiquette workshops. There's nothing more frustrating than sitting across the table at a lunch or a dinner and seeing somebody chew their food. Right. The fact that we need etiquette classes like that to chew your food is a little disheartening. I wrote about that in my book. Sorry. <laughs> we teach etiquette. We have an etiquette class. We had an etiquette dinner last month at Apprentice. Uh, we had about 50 people there. Uh, so we teach etiquette. Uh, we teach business etiquette, dining etiquette, communications etiquette, etc. We need that well-rounded professional student. We, what we want in our students is at 19 years old, you're indiscernible from a 30-year-old sitting in a, in a meeting room. You can look younger, of course, but you're indiscernible because you're pulling your weight and they understand that you, you've been through finishing school to be a professional. Yeah, because that's, well, that's what you need. And then when you're talking about the story of Allie and her, like the two uh, professional men, professional women that were talking with her, give you the resume, that's also going to make them look good. Absolutely. That's what I love the most is, you know, you benefit, she benefits, they benefit. I call that relational capital. Oh, and that's really? one of the themes in my book is called relational capital. So, for example, um, if after today in our time together during this interview, if you wrote me a note and said, Mr. Brumbarger, I would like to meet Bill Smith at such and such company. Would you be willing to make an introduction to him for me? Well, I've enjoyed our talk, and I, you're, you're a, a poised young lady. You. I would say, let's do better than that. I'll schedule a lunch with Mr. Smith, and you can, go, you can join us. That relational capital then, and I would tell him, hey, Bill, I'm bringing a young lady to a lunch meeting with us. She wants to meet you. She's interested in working at your firm. And she's interested in speaking with you. Uh, and we sit down now because Bill and I are friends, and let's say we're really good friends, my relational capital balance with Bill, let's say 100 is a max, is at 100, right? What do you think your relational capital balance starting at that lunch is? With Bill, probably minimal, mm -hmm. very minimal, mm -hmm. or zero. No, close to 100. Really? And here's why. Just through you? Because Bill knows I wouldn't throw him junk food. He knows I wouldn't waste his time at a precious hour of lunch. He knows I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk my relationship with him giving him a bad referral. So my relational capital with Bill is at 100, and by default, your backpack of relational capital with Bill is pretty close to 100 when you start out. Yeah. The likelihood of you getting that job offer is 100%. Wonderful, because I think that's something that we really miss the boat on, especially like even with email introductions, right? You'll set up two emails and be like, hey, you know, I think you guys would pair well together, worked well together, here you go. And if one person doesn't respond, you go, well, that's okay that you didn't respond. Like, that's their loss or that's, you know, your loss. But that's going to, like, no one understands that that's going to backlash on you, too. Absolutely. It's going to discredit you as well. Absolutely. So I'm very cautious when I make referrals. Uh, I, I say, well, you know, if I connect you with Bill, uh, you will respond the same day, right? Oh, and, I, and if yeah. you don't, then I'll call Bill and say, disregard, we're not going to have the lunch. 
So you will respond the same day. You will respond with the King's English. You'll respond, you know, dear Mr. Smith, right? Proper writing with sentences and punctuation, not slang, uh, with salutation, right? You'll respond that way, right? Because you are now reflecting me because okay. of my referral. And so it's very critical on. to understand. Yeah, and the pressure's on for that, which is, in a way, what I love because that's going to, like, that's going to drive so many good things for both you, the other person, and your and the person that's mentoring you, the person that is introducing you. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I've got so many stories about young adults getting introduced to people that they never imagined. Uh, Sue Elsperman, do you know Sue Elsperman? Mm-mm. She was Indiana's uh, most recent former lieutenant governor, and uh, she's now president of Ivy Tech. Wonderful. Very close friend of mine. Um, had a chance to be at an event where she was speaking and I made sure I took a young student that I was working with at the time with me to this lunch. Well, I made sure I sat next to Sue and this young 17-year-old young lady got to sit down next to the lieutenant governor and have lunch with her for two hours. Right. That's That's called relational capital. And so now... My friend Sue knows my friend Paige, and they can converse on a first-name basis. Well, yeah. Mrs. Elspurman, right? Yeah. But the point is that, that there's a connection there because that relational capital enabled that to occur. And does Apprentice University also open up that relational capital as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. That's wonderful. Absolutely. Imagine having two dozen companies at your fingertips, all very eager to host you as a student, as an apprentice. And once you're inside that company... You're working with well-connected men and women and professionally. You're working on real projects, and you get to tap their networks also. That's wonderful. And most of Apprentice University, is it all very tech-related, or is it freelance-related? Uh, I would say, I'm not sure what freelance really means, but I would say it's not tech-related necessarily, mm-hmm. but those careers of the future use technology a lot, yeah. right? So you have to be conversant with the technology. That just needs to be a tool that you're accustomed to using. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's your career choice. Because we offer, excuse me, we offer careers in professional sales or certificates in professional sales. And this isn't how to sell knives at the door or encyclopedias <laughs> in days of old, right? Yeah, yeah. This is, this is how to understand a company's pain and to gain empathy with the problems that they're facing and then craft a professional solution to solve it, right? We do that. We teach that process. Uh, And we have certificates in marketing that aren't necessarily tech-related careers, but they use technology. Yeah. No, I understand that entirely. It's just sometimes people get a little scared of like, oh, do I have to be a programmer? Do I have to like learn code? Do I have to know? So our intro to programming class is uh, this past couple years, we've used the Harvard CS50 class. Mm. So when you finish our class, if you finish it successfully, you finish the class at Harvard, right? Now, it's a hard class, Yeah. okay? It's hard. And many of our students who have no interest nor aptitude in programming really struggle through that. But again, we're not after them getting an A in the class. We're after them understanding the constructs and the concepts that are taught. That's what we're after, not to be a programmer when you finish the class. I like the value in the and what you learn from it too. Because you can be a programmer just a programmer, but you can also be one with under, more understanding 
than not. Yeah, so when you are taking on that apprenticeship in marketing or you're taking on that job in marketing, you need to say, hey, I need need a program written because now you understand why programs are written, Mm -hmm. not necessarily how to do it yourself, Mm -hmm. but you can go to the person that can fulfill that for you and say, I need you to connect this and this together with a program. Will you help me do this? Because now you understand the constructs of programming, not that you're the programmer. Yeah, right? and that's beneficial in itself. Absolutely. Yes, and thank, uh, we're running out of time. I don't want to waste our time. That's you're a very okay. busy man. No, it's all right. Okay, thank I'm good. you so much. Thank you for so it's much. It's my pleasure. Thank you for interviewing me. And I hope you get a chance to uh, check out my book. Sorry for the shameless plug. You're fine. But I hope you you're get fine. a chance to check out the book because it's written for you. Mm-hmm. It's written for you. The title is You're Always Being Interviewed, and it's written for young adults, uh, 16 to 26, right, who need to understand that at all times when you're in the presence of somebody who creates jobs, what I call a talent spotter, you're being interviewed. In our conversation here today, you think you're interviewing me. Guess what? I've got three or four jobs. I'm thinking, hey, when this is over, I'm talk to Ava about these opportunities I've got over here. How do I put her to work? That would be wonderful. <laughs> right, but wonderful. it's true. It's true. I want you to think about the title of that, but just think about yeah. it because it's very true. You are always being interviewed. Wonderful words of wisdom to end with. And again, thank you so much. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you like what we're doing, please help us grow by sharing our content. And if you have any recommendation for future guests, please email me at agwetrick at gmail.com.